As I started to observe, to practice meditation and to observe my heart and my mind, what I noticed was um, a lot of inner turmoil and conflict, you know, fear and confusion and frustration. And then through the practice, I started to notice the emergence of other potent qualities, you know, that, you know, wow, I actually have this really strong reserve of determination. Like I can, I can be with the discomfort in my mind, in my heart, in my body, um, or moments of calm or peace and recognizing like, oh yeah, like I used to feel this way as a little kid sometimes, right? Like I had these moments of say, feeling really content or really connected or really at ease, you know, that I had lost touch with. And so rediscovering these very natural innate capacities through meditation and then recognizing not only are these present and available but as you know as you all do such beautiful work um, uh, teaching people that we can cultivate them that they don't need to be random that we can actually strengthen these neural pathways we can strengthen our access to these states as they talk about in the research so that they become traits so that they actually become underlying foundations for how we live and meet the world Hi, I'm Deborah Rosman, and a warm welcome to our listeners. Each month for the Ad Heart Podcast, I have the privilege of interviewing individuals who are contributing to the creation of a more heart-based world. My guest this month is Orrin J. Sofer, author of a new book, Your Heart Was Made for This, Contemplative Practices for Meeting a World in Crisis, with courage, integrity, and love. Now, of course, this title intrigued me, as at HeartMath, we're always saying that the heart is what gets us through challenging times, personally or collectively. And I was also intrigued because Orrin has spent decades exploring nonviolent communication and the qualities of the heart that can expand our capacity to respond to the very real challenges of overwhelm oppression, injustice, burnout. These are all huge issues personally and collectively. So welcome, Oren. Thank you so much, Deborah. It's a real privilege to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Well, our topic is the heart's qualities. Mm. And you know, heart mass research on the heart's qualities, such as patience, kindness, ease, respect, courage, integrity, compassion, and more. What you write about is that our research has shown their actual energies are different frequencies. They're not just do good qualities that you learn about in church or spiritual or philosophical writings. And in fact, we actually have called these heart qualities since the early 1990s, heart power tools. Mm. Because as you intentionally practice shifting to those heart feelings, they can transform your perceptions and your personal and collective life. So I want to know, how did you discover <laughs> the power, the effectiveness in these heart qualities? Yeah, thank you. I, I love that power, heart powers, heart heart power tools. <laughs> um, they, they are um, very real, tangible resources that we can experience. You know, it's uh, so beautiful that you guys are doing this work. And um, I do think there's a lot of resonance and um, 
alignment between my my book and the work I've been doing and and your mission. Um, I first discovered these qualities as, yeah, as distinct resources, powers, tools uh, in human consciousness through Buddhist meditation. Um, one of my first meditation teachers had this very pragmatic, down-to-earth way of introducing meditation. And he said, if you want to understand your mind, sit down and observe it. And as you and I both know, in um, Asian philosophy and Eastern religions, the word for mind is not the same as the way we use the word mind uh, in the West. It's a heart mind. It's this understanding that mm -hmm. our conscious awareness, the seat of conscious awareness is actually in the heart. And so the one he's using the word mind, he doesn't just mean your thoughts. He means this whole experience we have of being conscious beings, of feeling, of sensing, of experiencing um, all of these uh, different powerful emotions and senses that we have. So as I started to observe, to practice meditation and to observe my heart and my mind, what I noticed was um, a lot of inner turmoil and conflict, you know, fear and confusion and frustration. And then through the practice, I started to notice the emergence of other potent qualities, you know, that, you know, wow, I actually have this really strong reserve of determination. Mm. Like I can, I can be with the discomfort in my mind, in my heart, in my body, um, or moments of calm or peace and recognizing like, oh yeah, like I used to feel this way as a little kid sometimes, mm. right? Like I had these moments of say feeling really content or really connected or really at ease, you know, that I had lost touch with. And so rediscovering these very natural innate capacities through meditation and then recognizing not only are these present and available, but as you know, as you all do such beautiful work, um, uh, teaching people that we can cultivate them, that they don't need to be random, that we can actually strengthen these neural pathways. We can strengthen our access to these states as they talk about in the research so that they become traits, so that they actually become underlying foundations for how we live and meet the world. You know, that's beautifully said. Heart qualities are actually talked about in almost every religion, culture, philosophy, mm -hmm. but they are so often just paid lip service to mm. and not really practiced or integrated into a way of life. And we always admire the few people that we see who are leaders who have really integrated them because it uplifts us. Mm. And, you know, why did you decide to write a book? about this now at this time because yeah. your title is really intriguing for the it's the hearts made for this yeah thank you um you know deborah the the question that has been driving me since i first started meditating really um that drove me to contemplative practice that inspired me and sparked my curiosity about nonviolent communication, which my first book was about, Say What You Mean. Um, and then in many ways inspired me to write this book is the question, how? How do we 
integrate our values? How do we live our values? How do we make real? How do we realize um, our vision of what we want our life to be, of what we want our world to be, of what we want our friendships and our relationships to be? And I, one of the things that I find so moving um, and poignant about all of the people I meet and teach and work with is that when I ask people to get quiet inside and to connect with what do you want? What do you really want in your life? What do you value? What do you long for? Without fail, there are these beautiful universal qualities people name peace, connection, love, belonging, joy, happiness, contribution, meaning, community. We know what we want. We have a sense of what our North Star is if we slow down and really listen. But the poignancy of it is, for many reasons, we don't know how to get there. And so that is what I found so powerful about the practice that spoke to me uh, in Buddhism, which is this very pragmatic approach to actually cultivating the quality. So why did I write this book? Um, I started writing it in 2020 when we had that terribly um, earth-shifting year of so many different things, starting with but not ending with the pandemic where the world was turned upside down. Um, the cultural and spiritual upheaval of um, George Floyd's murder, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, many rapid changes and climate change that happened that year, the wildfires out West. Um, and I, I saw um, my community, my friends, um, the people I work with, and just so many people really struggling to find ground with the changes we were all living through. And as a meditation teacher and a practitioner, I knew, I said, well, here's one way I can help, which is to give people some inspiration and practical guidance on how to develop these inner resources mm -hmm. so that we can find our way without drowning through all of these changes. And then that, that inspiration to provide practical guidance in really challenging, rapidly changing times that deepened um, when my wife and I got pregnant, which I talk about in the book. And I started looking ahead to the life of our child and the next generation um, and really wanting to grapple in a deeper way with this question of um, how can what I've devoted so much of my life to contemplative practice be a resource and a contribution to building a better world for the for the future generations. Yeah. You know, at HeartMath, we started, we said, what's the science behind this? Because we kind mm -hmm. of had this realization that the heart can't really go viral, so to speak, mm -hmm. without to have a lot of the scientific validation. Otherwise it gets pigeonholed as this religion or that religion. Mm -hmm. Whereas really we're talking about the human operating system. And, mm -hmm. you know, we've been saying it's heart time on the planet because mm -hmm. everything else has really been tried and look where we're at, you know, with the mind separate from the heart, more people are on edge. Mm -hmm. And yet when we know, like you said, what people really want in their deepest connection is who they are, their heart. And when we're in the heart mm -hmm. together, it automatically puts our interactions into more of a resonant flow. So 
our research showed that when we practice these heart qualities, genuinely shift to a feeling of patience when we feel impatient or any of these mm-hmm. heart-centered activations that we can do, like mm-hmm. you offer practices, mm-hmm. our heart rhythms come into more coherence. Our brains yeah. release powerful neurochemicals that influence our moods and perceptions. Yeah. And simply by practicing heart qualities, even for a few minutes a day, intentionally mm-hmm. it activates the frontal lobes in the brain for self-regulation, foresight, seeing a bigger picture, inclusiveness, intuitive discernment, all the stuff that's not happening in society. And so it's really, they're all aspects of love. To me, it's like, this is how you Mm, love. You actually, when you feel impatient, you practice the feeling, the energetic of patience until your nervous system gets more in sync. So, you know, it's time for the heart and love to go viral. But how do you see this? Because you're contributing to it in your book. Mm. Yeah, thank you. And I'm so grateful to you and your colleagues for digging into the science and the research and bringing that forward. It's a huge contribution. Um, You know, what I see, uh, what I see, Deborah, is a few things. Um, One, I just, I see how it changes people's lives, Um, both the people practicing heart qualities um, and the people around them that it, it it has a tangible effect. People feel more empowered, more hopeful, um, and happier in a enduring way, not in a like, yeah, I got what I want happiness way, this sort of consumerist happiness, but an actual uh, deep abiding sense of meaning and satisfaction. And I'll just tell a little story about a, a good friend of mine who uh, is also a meditator and practices heart qualities and you know, these beautiful capacities and resources we have. And uh, she moved to a little um, community, uh, like a housing co-op community uh, where there's an HOA and I don't know, you know, 30 or 50 little units. And she noticed when she moved there that people really kept to themselves. There wasn't a sense of community. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing. And um, she decided to practice generosity. Mm-hmm. And and look for ways to to contribute to the community. And she started this practice of leaving mystery gifts on people's doorsteps. Mm-hmm. And the first thing she noticed was how this practice changed her own mind and her own days. When she was out, instead of ruminating on her worries or you know troubles or feeling anxious about something, she would be on the lookout for a fun little gift to give somebody in the community and what would be the you know next thing. And it shifted her whole mood and her whole orientation. It changed her perceptions as you, as you noted. Um, and then the process of actually giving the gifts took on this very sort of mischievous, delightful tone of, you know, surreptitiously leaving it at their doorstep. And the next thing she noticed is over a few weeks, she noticed people in the community starting to change. People were smiling, looking around because people were noticing that this was happening and trying to find out like what's going on and who's doing it. And then this very interesting thing happened, Deborah. Other people started doing it. Mm. She found somebody left like a fresh loaf of bread on her doorstep. So it was contagious. So this transformed not only like her own experience of her days, but it started to transform the community and other Mm. people this power of generosity and the infectiousness of it. 
Um, so it's empowering. It changes us. The other thing I notice, um, there are two other things I notice in both in practicing and in teaching these skills. Um, one is how they work together in a very um, kind of potent and flexible way. So you mentioned practicing patience, and that's been a huge one for me having an having an infant. Um, you know, the need for patience and how uh, low resourced. I can be at times operating on not enough sleep and and so forth. And seeing how sometimes when we're feeling, say, really impatient, frustrated, maybe angry, maybe even helpless, like to practice patience, we also need compassion for ourselves. We also need a certain level of um what I call aspiration, some sense of um orientation towards our values and a sense of hope that it's possible. We need determination and resolve. So the qualities support each other. When when the one we're reaching for isn't present, there are other ones that can come in to fill that gap and support us as we work towards them. That's one of the things that I see as I teach and practice. The other thing that I see that um, I've found really essential and really helpful is a certain quality of humility and respect for the tenacity of the unhealthy habits in our mind. Mm. That it really takes work. It's not easy to do. And it takes patience and, and time and dedication. And that we can see changes very quickly right away. Um, but that, you know, most of us are working with decades of conditioning in other ways and strengthening other qualities that are not helpful. And so there's a, a kind of humility that I think is healthy as we really start to explore this inner terrain and recognize, wow, here are these really potent transformative qualities that I can strengthen, that I can bring into my life. And you know what? Um, it's it's not going to happen like that. I, I actually need support and community and encouragement, both inwardly and outwardly. And and I think that's always really important for me to um, to share when I talk about these things because so much of our culture is focused on instant gratification and individualism and do it alone. Um, and I think we need support to do this in a way that's sustainable mm -hmm. because it's not easy. Well, that's very well said. You know, the leg up that practicing heart qualities gives us, and I certainly experience it, is that mm -hmm. it harmonizes our inner mind, emotions, body. And mm -hmm. that gives us a chance. And especially if we can get in sync, get in coherence, heart coherence, as we say, for real, then we can get some inner guidance and mm -hmm. direction that we then have to build our confidence in as we step into it. And yeah. so much of that requires, like you said, uh, supporting each other through the clearing of the old cellular imprints mm -hmm. of doubt and fear and yeah but it's it's the lack of getting in sync within ourselves that creates so much of our personal stress and then our ability to not get along with others i mean this world needs us to learn how to get along with each other and i know that's Absolutely. what nonviolent communication is about but we're all having to navigate these tumultuous transitional times 
internally, personally, or we don't see a certain future. It can be very insecure financially and always. And then old structures and the social systems are breaking down and new possibilities and structures haven't yet emerged. And at the same time, there's this heart awakening going on. I don't know if you see it, but we hear about it. People all over the world are realizing it's got to be something about the heart, more compassion, random acts of kindness. Just the example, that wonderful story you just said about mm-hmm. how just doing little caring acts can create a infectious viral effect. And that's what we need in the world. But people have to start by going within themselves. And I know you talk about your subtitle, Meeting a World in Crisis with Courage, yeah. Integrity, and Love. And someone I spoke to the other day who's working on an Arab-Israeli peacekeeping mm-hmm. initiatives calls this heart activism. Mm. You know, that that's what's needed. And the people, the Arab people and the Israeli people that are trying to make a difference there call it that because they somehow know that this crisis, that no solution is going to come unless we get in the heart with each other. Yeah. I'm I'm really interested in what examples you see in the nonviolent communication work of heart activism. Is there do you see an increase in that happening these days? Mm. Yeah, thank you. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not I'm not uh tracking enough to say do I see an increase or not, but um I do see a lot of what you know we might call heart activism and it's uh manifestation, really beautiful ways of people coming together and infusing their work for social change with heartfulness, with compassion, Mm -hmm. with love, with a vision of shared humanity, right? Which is, I think, what we're talking about here. We're talking about being able to move in the world from a place of awareness and connection to our shared humanity. Um, so that as we are working for change, we are embodying um, at least some of the vision of what we're working towards. And this is this is really what um, I think contemplative practice, um, whether it's the methods I outline in my book, uh, whether it's heart math, whether it's other tools people bring to bear, what contemplative practice has to offer to the world of social activism and social change is is a way of transforming the fundamental underlying basis from which we are working so that our means is more aligned with the end that we Mm -hmm. are working towards. And I do see this, I do see it, I see it in um, the movement of sort of principled nonviolence uh, around the world and in, in ways both great and small. And I think it's important to shift and expand our definition of activism. So, you know, we can see it in things like um, some of the climate activists in South America working for like claiming the um, one of the victories that happened as a, a river was actually given indigenous, was given rights personhood rights in the same way that a corporation has rights as a person, you know, working for ecosystems and living beings, non-human beings to be recognized at having rights and doing that in ways that 
are very heart-based um, or some of the work that's being done around the climate, not just like the school climate tri uh, strikes, but um, different schools where students are leading um, movements to do climate audits and move away from fossil fuels and doing it in ways that are very collaborative, that are very forward thinking, that are very based in their values and in a sense of dignity and compassion. But I also think we need to recognize that, you know, activism doesn't need to look like um, organizing for policy change or protesting in the street. And um, a, a new friend and colleague of mine, Anya Kimenitz, um, who has some some wonderful work on how to talk to um, children about climate change. You know, she she writes about going to the local PTA meeting in you know where she lives in uh, in Brooklyn, and you know organizing there just within the community, talking to other parents, talking to the school board. Um, the way we raise our children and speak to our children is a form of activism in my view because it's a it's we're transforming the roots of the future of society when we can bring um an awareness of collaborative models and mutual respect rather than um domination based ways of relating and parenting so i do see it happening and i think that there are many ways that we can embody these qualities and engage them in our life and in our world that will move us towards a different future. And I think the more that we can expand our definition and our sense of possibility for what that looks like, the more hope I have for the future. Beautifully said. Well, it all starts with the heart. A heart activation starts with activating our own heart care, connection, heart alignment, and then listening to what, what our own intuitive guidance or larger self is telling us. So let's do a heart meditation together. Lovely. So we'll start off and the collective heart energy can help amplify our own heart connection. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. So let's do some heart focused breathing, focus our attention in the area of the heart and just Envision your breath flowing in and out of the heart or chest area, breathing a little slower, a little deeper than normal. As our research shows, that starts to bring your heart rhythms into a more synchronized, coherent state. As you continue just doing this heart-focused breathing, activate a genuine heart quality of love or care, gratitude, compassion, kindness, whatever one comes to you that's easiest to feel, or just a genuine feeling of calm. You know this is helping create heart-brain coherence. Now, as you continue this heart activation, envision yourself having more compassionate understanding of all people, realizing everyone's having to deal with the stress of these days, personal, social, global, 
given their awareness or beliefs, they do the best they know. So let's expand our compassionate understanding. Don't have to agree with everybody, but we can feel that heart activation of care and compassion. Now, in this heart coherent state, ask for your heart's intuitive promptings, guidance on which heart qualities you want to embody more in your life. Patience, courage, respect, equanimity, compassionate care. There's so many. Just listen to your own heart's prompting. It may be the heart quality for the day. Sometimes I get different ones for different days, and then it's important to step into it and practice it. Now let's envision a heart momentum unfolding on the planet of more people practicing heart qualities to replace blame and fear and activate a bigger picture, perceptions and thinking so we can create a new world together that works for all. Let's envision a heart activation momentum together. And let's radiate our collective heart energy to all people who are suffering from the wars going on and other global stressors, knowing that together our heart energy can make a difference. And let's close by co-creating a reservoir of heart energy that each of us can tap into as needed over the next month to help reconnect with our heart feelings and intuitive direction. Let's create this collective reservoir of heart energy we can each access and tap into when we need to. The support for each other. Okay, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Owen, is there anything else 
that you'd like to share with our listeners, Arn? Thanks for that lovely uh, practice, Deborah. Sure, I'll just maybe I'll just end on uh, kind of one fundamental note or reminder, which is that um, you know we're always practicing something, right? And uh, what these these tools, these skills, both the heart math skills that you teach and the contemplative tools that I offer in my new book, Your Heart Was Made for This, do is um, they give us a way of shaping our life, shaping our inner life and having more conscious choice over um, what we're practicing, what we're strengthening so that we can um, live the kind of life we want and build the kind of world we want. So thanks so much for having me. Um, the book's available everywhere books are sold. And if folks want to find out more about uh, me or, or my work, uh, I'm on social media at Orin J. Sofer, and uh, my website is orinjsofer.com. Thank you so much. And as a gift to all of our listeners, I want to remind you that you can get free access to an amazing online video course, The HeartMath Experience, which teaches five helpful techniques to activate your heart qualities and support you in practicing them to have more heart-based living. Or you can check out the new HeartMath app on your App Store or Google Play Store programs for heart-based living. And on the third Tuesday of every month, we publish a new Ad Heart podcast episode. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss our next guests and topic. Thank you again and take care. Thank you for listening to the Ad Heart Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can catch the latest episodes. If you're wanting even more heart-inspired content, find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Look for HeartMath and also the HeartMath Institute. Both organizations are committed to helping activate the heart of humanity.